Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Welcome back everybody, good to chat to you again today. We've got another exciting episode planned. So today we're going to have a little bit of uh, a chat about improvements to properties, um, approvals, non-approvals, make sure everything complies. Um, we always talk about manufacturing equity and changing properties, improving the value, things like that. Um, great idea, but obviously you need to be aware of uh, the implications and make sure everything's approved. So we're going to touch on a few uh, things to really to understand and to know and to make sure you're aware of. I think that um, the important time to understand about these sorts of things is when you are purchasing a property because, you know, just because a property is being used in a particular way, it doesn't guarantee that that is the lawful um, or uh, legal way to use that property. And that's what we're going to be tackling in this episode because in Brisbane, there are a lot of houses that have sort of been lifted and built in underneath, some legally, some illegally. There's secondary dwellings, some are being used legally, some are being used illegally. Um, And hopefully we're going to pull that all apart and help you to understand what you need to be aware of and what are some of the uh, loopholes that um, people have been, um, I guess, sneaking through. Um, But as a buyer, and particularly if you are an investment buyer, we're really going to unpack what uh, potential liability can you know, be uncovered as a result of um, any unlawful use of properties. Yeah, it's a big investment. You've got to make sure that um, um, you don't just assume that it is um, what what's advertised either. Um, we've we've had it before, where, for example, we've had a property advertised as a four bedroom house. Um, it when we went and did the I did the inspection myself. Uh, I had a look at it, and I actually used a a laser to check the ceiling height downstairs, and it was um, it was under two point four high. Uh, so to be a habitable, habitable space, like a, a bedroom, living rooms, places like that, they need to be 2.4. Um, other areas like your bathrooms, um, they're not habitable, so they can be lower that ceiling height. But that ceiling height, for example, needs to be that height. That was the first thing that we noticed. Uh, and then we um, we had a look at it from there to make sure that it did comply. Um, and it was, it was actually a three-bedroom house, not a four-bedroom, that one. And um, that's the classic example. You know, it's really important um, that you understand what the legal use of a property is. That's um, obviously something that comes up a lot in properties that we look at, um, particularly in properties that are built in under. Now, it's always useful to ask the selling agent if the approved building plans are available. Sometimes um, they will show that the underneath part of the house is is actually storage, approved as storage use only. Other times, if it shows that it is living space, meaning um, a bedroom or a living room or a lounge room, then it is important to ensure that the building itself complies with the building code. And that's what Scott was referencing when he was talking about the minimum habitable uh, ceiling height. Uh, There is not only approvals from council that need to be sought, but there needs to be compliance with the building code for rooms to be used in a certain way. So that's all of the sort of stuff that we're going to be unpacking today. Yeah. So look, I mean, that one, for example, just quickly off that one, when we uh, discussed it with the agent and um, and the sellers, they said, look, that's how it was when they bought it. They, they were told that it was a bedroom. So 
just because they're told that uh, doesn't mean it actually is that and is approved. So what um, if it, if that is the case, for example, Melinda, what sort of risks are involved? Well, you know, as a, a home owner or a landlord, because you've purchased the property for investment purposes, it's really important to understand what the consequences of um the space being advertised um, for an illegal use might be. So if you're a landlord, for example, and you are advertising a um, an approved three-bedroom house as um, a four-bedroom house, then the consequences of that um, can be really significant, uh, especially if there's any particular incident like injury or death in the property as a result of um, and a person occupying an area that's not lawfully approved for its particular um, advertised use. Now, there's going to be liability um, consequences of that, but also insurance consequences because, you know, insurance will only cover properties that are being used in a lawful way. So that's really important for you to understand. And that's why, you know, this podcast um, is is an important one to cover and we're not meaning to scare people but we do know of a lot of properties in Brisbane that um, are advertised in one particular way or used in a particular way you might be inspecting a new property that is for sale and you know there are rooms that are set up as bedrooms but you know on the approved building plans they're not actually approved to be used as bedrooms so it's really important that you dig a bit deeper before you buy because um, as a buyer, you take on the responsibility of any unapproved structures um, at the time you sign. So you don't have the opportunity to get out unless you've got special conditions in that contract, which we'll cover a bit later. Yeah. So again, I'll, I'll just touch on another example, which is on the back of what Melinda was talking about. Uh, we actually looked at a property, this was a little while ago now, where they had a uh, which was the old garage on the side. Uh, they had it set up as a bit of a studio. It looked like they're going to put a bathroom in there at some stage. It wasn't actually built at, at that stage, but they had it set up like a bit of a studio type of setup. Um, we looked at it and thought, well, whether that could be an actual separate living or a uh, like a granny flat type of thing that people talk about. Um, but uh, again, it didn't have the approvals and it didn't have that uh, ceiling height to match code. So that's the sort of thing that we talk about. If something was to happen, whether it's a fire or something, um, it's a big liability to have hanging over your head. And I think what's important to mention here is that what you can't control is the way a tenant um, will actually use a space. What you can control is how you advertise that space. Um, And good property managers also will be bringing to the attention of tenants that the space is not approved to be used in a certain way. If, for example, they're doing routine inspections and they're seeing that there's beds set up in an area that is um, only approved as a storage area. So I guess we've we've covered off in previous episodes of how important good property management is. When you are selecting a property manager, don't select based on price alone. Look for quality service because, you know, good property managers should be minimising the risk to you as a property investor or as a landlord and, you know, identifying where areas are being used in a way that they've not been advertised um, is really important so that you're minimising any potential liability risk in the event of, you know, a significant event that causes injury or death. Yeah, I think it's, look, some of those opportunities, are there's some really good opportunities in things like garage conversions to extra bedrooms, um, those types of things under existing footprints, obviously, um, a lot easier to do, um, less structural work. 
But um, those are the sort of things you've just got to make sure that it is approved and it does comply um, so that you cover yourself there as well. When we talk about um, structures, things like decks, sheds, for example, what, what are some of the improvements and, and things like that we need to be aware of? I think that, you know, when we're talking about what are some of the improvements that would require a council approval, for for example, um, it could mean any structure or an extension, um, additions to an original property, alterations, um, installation works, etc. So things that are done on a property um, or an existing dwelling that typically would change the footprint of that dwelling. Now, one thing to point out is that not all types of um, approval works or, or extension works would require council approval. So it is best to check if you are unsure. Don't just assume that no council approval is required. But just to give you some typical examples, um, things like uh, patios, um, the extension or the addition of decks, pergolas, um, adding garages and carports, um, or even a pool, those sorts of things will typically require um, council approval in some instances. So, you know, as I mentioned, it's really important to check if you are unsure. Um, and before any building work um, commences, if a council approval is required, what that process involves is that some proposed plans are developed and submitted to council and the council will assess whether those proposed plans comply with their town planning scheme or their proposed council codes. Um, the other thing that needs to happen if you are looking at purchasing a property or adding extensions on an existing property is that uh, the proposed building work plans need to be um, submitted to a private certifier to ensure that the building works comply with the building code. So we're talking about two different things. One is council approval for some structures and the second is building approval and that is to ensure that the building is compliant with the building code. So they're two separate things but again in most cases um, both need to be checked especially if you're purchasing a property and you are unsure if any extensions or additions are approved. So if I just jump back onto that first example we we looked at with the um, uh, which was a three-bedroom advertised as a four-bedroom and we, we negotiated and talked to the, the agent and the seller they actually then contacted a private certifier. The private certifier went and inspected the property, uh, did all the appropriate measurements and details. They had to get an energy efficiency report done to make sure there was enough light and enough um, ventilation throughout that area. That all complied and um, they managed to get that all signed off to be an approved habitable area. So that's the sort of thing that you just need to ask get private certifiers involved in. If you're looking at things like uh, doing obviously work on your property always I always recommend highly recommend that you get a licensed contractor involved ask them the question does this need to be approved by a certifier you'll need to obviously get some plans uh, drawn up sometimes they don't have to be architectural plans they can be they can be pretty simple um, just some plans drawn up to show what you're doing and some details on it uh, anything that does need some designing they'll issue a form 15. From the back of the form 15, you will get um, with the certificates that are done. So things like engineering, termite treatment, glazing, that can be your shower screens, handrails. Waterproofing is a big thing. You want to make sure that the waterproofing is all approved. Um, your structural things like roof trusses, smoke alarms, footings, foundations, 
they'll all have a Form 16 certificate. Those certificates get handed over to the private certifier. He will check it all, do an inspection. If he's happy with everything, he'll issue the final certificate, which is a, uh, a Form 21 up here in, uh, in Brisbane, in Queensland. And one thing that you can do as a property buyer is that you can do a building plan search to see what has actually been approved. But, you know, if you don't have time to do that before you enter into a contract, you can actually also ask the seller. So ask the selling agent if the approved building plans are available, because if a property has been renovated recently or extensions added, the approved building plans should be easily accessible and the seller would make those available if they have easy access to them. So it's a simple question and it can avoid a lot of um, potential heartache in the future because, you know, the, the costs associated with, you know, purchasing something that may not be approved and then having to go down the path of either seeking that approval or dismantling the potential um, unapproved extension, it, it can be significant. So it's important to do the checks up front. Now, everyone, um, when they buy um, a property, they will do a, um, a building and pest inspection. So they'll get a qualified building and pest inspector out there to do the uh, inspection on the property. They'll check through, they'll go up through the ceiling, obviously do the, the normal standard sort of check they do, issue the certificate. It's not up to them to identify anything that is not approved. They won't do that and that's not a part of it. Sometimes they can tag it and say, look, the area, for example, like I talked about, it doesn't comply with the 2.4 ceiling height. They're not going to say that it's not approved or it is approved. They might tag it, but it's not their responsibility, obviously, to identify and um, and point those areas out. So just be aware when you do that, um, and Melinda's got a bit more detail here on it, on whether or not the building and uh, pest inspection clause will actually cover you for anything that's not approved. Now, this is a big one that people need to be aware of because um, the standard Real Estate Institute of Queensland or the REIQ contract for residential house and land purchases here in Queensland, um, Standard Condition 7.6 basically states that the buyer assumes liability for any unapproved alterations or improvements to the house discovered after the contract is signed. This means that you need to do the checks before you sign or you need to insert a special condition into the contract that will allow you the opportunity to do those searches post-contract date. Now, as Scott mentioned, a standard building and pest clause in most instances will not be sufficient to cover this type of um, situation. So you can't rely on the building and pest inspection clause if you find out after the date of signing the contract that there are unapproved alterations or extensions to the property you've purchased. That's really important for you as a buyer to understand. And we have consulted with our own solicitor um, to get the um, correct interpretation of the, the terms of the REIQ contracts. So the special condition um, that needs to be inserted will allow you as a buyer the opportunity to make inquiries with counsel to check for any unapproved structures or alterations. And if one is found, then you would have the option to either terminate or to negotiate further. So if you are unsure about whether a property has unapproved structures or not, um, the best thing to do 
before you sign a contract is to is to consult with a um, a lawyer or solicitor before you actually sign. So that's going to ensure that any special conditions that are required are inserted. So buyer beware. Yeah, you definitely need to um, do some work before you jump into that. Things things like doing searches like we do here, where we look at, at buildings from the past, what they look like, how, how they are now. Um, even when we go and have a look at it, we can actually tell if some of the structures are a similar age to what the original building are. So Let's say, for example, they put a, a pergola or a deck on. You can generally tell by the the type and the age of the timber if it matches the actual type and the how, the age of the house, the existing house. Gives you a bit of an idea whether they've made some alterations. Sometimes it's pretty obvious. Sometimes it's not. So they're the sort of things you need to be aware of uh, because you don't want to buy anything that is not approved because it could come back and bite you later on. And, um, you know, as I pointed out previously, we are talking about two different types of approvals here. One is council approval and the other one is building approval. And ideally, you want to ensure compliance with both because, you know, it's no use having council approval for an extension, but, an extension, but um, failing to have the final certificate um, available, which means, you know, you don't have the building approval for that extension. So you definitely need compliance with both. In some instances, um, you may not be required to have council approval for all extensions, but that is a conversation that you need to have with a town planner or with council directly uh, to understand your obligations in that regard. Yeah, always, um, as I've said at the start, it's, it's a good way to manufacture equity to do some improvements on properties, but yeah, just just do it right. Don't cut corners um, and obviously it'll, uh, it'll pay off in the long run basically, so um, another thing we talk about a little bit on, that's probably the renovation side of things and the improvements. One thing that we do talk about a bit and we get asked quite a lot is the dual occupancy side of it. Um, whether it's a separate dwelling, people talk about granny flats a lot. I, I don't like to use that sort of dis- way to describe them, but let's call it a separate dwelling. Um, and Or whether it's building underneath a house and making it a separate living area. Can you just give us a little bit of an an overview of, um, say, for example, Brisbane City Council to start with? Look, there's been a lot of um, interesting um, change from the Brisbane City Council in relation to uh, households being able to rent out separate spaces um, under separate tenancy agreements. Ultimately, the rule at the moment um, is that it is illegal. You can't ha- own a property in the Brisbane City Council region and um, have two separate tenancy agreements in place. For example, upstairs is being rented by one party and downstairs is being rented by another party unless there is an approval from council for the property to be used as a dual occupancy or as a multiple uh, dwelling. Now, if the property only has approval to be used as a residential house, then it is illegal to rent that property out under two separate tenancy agreements. Some people um, have tried to structure the arrangement under a rooming accommodation code, uh, which is slightly different. However, if people go down this pathway, it will trigger a requirement to have the building reclassified um, and the classification would change from um, a classification 1A to a classification 1B. So, Again, this this comes down to working with council and 
private certifiers to ensure that the building complies with its intended use and its approved use. So it's really important for you to understand if you are looking at a property in the Brisbane City Council region that is being advertised as a dual occupancy property or a dual income property, that you do further investigation to ensure that it is approved through council to be used legally in that way. Because if it's not, it could come back to sting you. And I know council were doing um, a lot of um, issuing a lot of penalty and enforcement notices to a lot of residents um, in the past number of years uh, for non-compliance with this. And the fines are quite high. Just just on that, when you talk about a a one A to a one B, is it it's a, is it as simple as um, just asking for a, an application or changing it in in that type of uh, requirement or not? Or is there is there any other details that need to be done to comply? Look, uh, generally um, the different classifications require different um, disability uh, classification codes as well. So disability access requirements um, usually require some modifications and with a type 1B building, you'd need to meet the disability access code. So, you know, it's not just as simple as changing the classification of a building. You do have to make modifications to that building to ensure it complies with a different classification. Yeah, and if you put that in another way, for example, when we're talking about disability, just I'll touch on it very quickly, it could be a simple thing like the width of a door. So your door could be a 820, for example. It needs to be larger. There needs to be clear 900s for wheelchairs to get through. So it's not as simple as just doing that and saying we need to change a couple of doors here and there. It, it can actually become quite costly um, and, and a lot of headaches really to change those. And I know that, um, you know, I'm a regular contributor on a lot of uh, property chat forums and um, investment uh, groups through Facebook, etc. And something that people often ask about is the granny flat. Um, in Brisbane, we call them secondary dwellings. And, you know, there is a lot of confusion around whether you can rent them out separately. However, in the Brisbane City Council region, um, it is illegal to rent those uh, properties out separately unless there is an approval in place for them to be used as a dual occupancy. Um, if they're just approved as a secondary dwelling, you can't rent them out under a separate tenancy agreement. So you do need to be aware of this if you are a homeowner or an investor. Um, there can be potential, you know, liability risks if you are, you know, using that space or uh, advertising that space for use that it is not approved for. That's um, so. That's Brisbane City Council. Another area that we uh, we do work in a little bit in is um, is the Moreton Bay area. What's the what's is there much difference in Moreton Bay? Look, I think when we're talking about Greater Brisbane as a whole, and um, you know, throughout Australia, every council region will have its own, you know, city plan or town plan to um, govern the way buildings can and cannot be used. So it is different in the Logan Shire and in the Ipswich Shire and in the Morton Shire, whereby currently, you know, granny flats can actually be rented uh, to separate tenancies under separate tenancy agreements. One thing I will note in relation to the Morton Bay Regional Council is right now, that ruling is being uh, reassessed and I've personally spoken to town planners in the Moreton Bay Regional Council who um, will not yet confirm uh, whether they will be converting to a similar um, setup to what we, are, what we have here in the Brisbane City Council region in that it may become illegal to rent those 
uh, secondary dwellings or granny flats out to other um, investors, so, sorry, to other tenants under a separate tenancy agreement. So, you know, that ruling um, is, is currently under investigation and an announcement is expected by the end of 2020. So a word of warning, if you are a property investor and you are considering um, a granny flat strategy in the Moreton Bay region, you do need to be aware that the, the ruling is around the potential use is currently being reviewed and we won't know for certain what the outcome is until the end of 2020. Mm, yeah, it's, that's definitely something to be aware of. Um, so, I mean, look, when we talk about different improvements, whether it's secondary dwellings, whether it's decks, um, I, I think you just need to also look at the big picture and see what you want to do with that property, not just now and in the short term of getting some cash flow, but also long-term wise, what it's actually going to add value to the property and that long-term growth of the property and how you'll benefit from it as well. Yeah, I always say that make sure that the property you buy has a, a defined exit strategy in place. And um, when we're looking at properties on behalf of our clients, we want to know you know, who the next buyer of that property will be and you want to make sure that the property appeals to the next buyer. You don't want to be passing on any headaches to the next buyer in the same way that you don't want to be buying into any headaches as a property owner yourself. So I, I think we've, we've wrapped up a fair bit there. We've given us a, a few good tips. I think that special condition is obviously a, a very a hot tip there um, to be aware of. But as, as I've said many times, make those improvements. If you can do it, it's, it's great. I, I love doing the renovations and changing properties and adding the value to them. It's uh, sometimes an exciting thing. Otherwise, uh, sometimes it can be a bit daunting and, and a tough thing to do as well. So I hope that's helped today. Uh, it's been good to chat again. And um, I'll let Melinda wrap it up as usual. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Take care and bye for now. Yeah, as Scott said, um add value to properties through renovation and, you know, redevelopment through extensions, but make sure you do it in the right way. And also, if you are looking to buy a property, uh, make sure you're doing all of the necessary due diligence and searches upfront before you buy so you, that you're not buying someone else's headache. Hope you've enjoyed this episode today and um, that you've found some value. If you have, don't forget to leave us a review and let us know what you think. Um, we're always open to feedback about our podcast, especially in relation to um, upcoming episodes and ideas that you'd like to hear from us about. Thanks for tuning in again um, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.